0: You know, you cannot be too Jewish. Thank you. I couldn't possibly agree more.
1: Shalom and welcome to the Two Jewish Radio Show with Rabbi Sam Kohan and friends, a weekly serving of everything Jewish. We'll have a great hour together today of news, music, comedy and conversation. This morning we'll have our annual special, The Secular Year in Review. We'll also have a visit from our expert on the international Jewish scene, Tom Price. Please email your comments to us at 2JewishRadio18 at gmail.com or visit us on the web at twojewishradio.com. The opinions of the host and guests on 2Jewish are their own and not those of the radio station. 2Jewish is paid for by 2Jewish Radio programs and podcasts, Tucson, Arizona. And now, here's Rabbi Sam Kohan and
0: 2Jewish. Hello, and Happy New Year's Day! Of course, since it's January 1st, we are celebrating a new secular year beginning today. Now, being that this is a Jewish show, actually, of course, a too-Jewish show, Happy Sylvester! That's what they say in Israel, which only makes sense if you've lived in Israel or hang out with a lot of Israelis. And they say that in place of Happy New Year... Happy Sylvester, since the Jewish New Year was back in September on Rosh Hashanah, not now in January. Well, more about that Sylvester thing in a moment. In plain fact, there are a number of New Years in Jewish tradition. Rosh Hashanah is the most familiar, of course. A famous Mishnah at the beginning of the Tractate of Rosh Hashanah teaches that it was the new year for counting years, as well as for calculating the sabbatical and jubilee years in the days of the Bible and the Temple. It is also, of course, today the new year for the soul, the day of judgment, when we take account of our actions, seek to repent our sins, and return to goodness and holiness. So, the appropriate time for New Year's resolutions is Rosh Hashanah, not January 1st. The other New Years delineated in traditional sources include the beginning of the springtime month of Nisan, which comes in late March this year. That was the New Year for governmental affairs in ancient times, and the New Year for holidays, which makes Passover, the springtime Freedom Festival, the first holiday of the year. 15th of Nisan, not Rosh Hashanah. Nisan, the month when Pesach comes, is still called the first month of the Jewish year, as it was in the Torah. That is, not Tishrei in September when Rosh Hashanah comes, and certainly not January. The third Jewish New Year in the Mishnah is Tubishvat, New Year for Trees, coming up in a couple of weeks, by the way, when they believed that sap started to flow in the trees in midwinter, a kind of environmentally conscious New Year. And finally, in that famous Mishnah, there was a tax New Year, our ancestors' version of April 15th, which occurred about a month before Rosh Hashanah in late summer. Okay. Four Jewish New Years. But that's not counting some later New Years it could be tallied too, like Simchat Torah, the New Year for Torah, when we start reading the Torah all over again at the end of the fall holiday cycle, usually in October. Four New Years, or maybe five, may impress you as about three or maybe four too many. So What were we Jews going to do with yet another New Year, December 31st, going into January 1st? Well, as I've noted in Israel, they just call it Sylvester, a semi-holiday that reflects the ambivalence of our culture to adopt yet another New Year festival. Actually, Israelis calling New Year's Eve and Day Sylvester is a bit bizarre. The name Sylvester does not come from the cartoon cat paired with Tweety Bird, but rather from the name of the saint and Roman pope who reigned during the Council of Nicaea in the year 325 CE. While that's obscure enough... There is a dark side to this Sylvester, very dark. The year before the Council of Nicaea, in 324 CE, roughly 1700 years ago, it was the future Pope Sylvester who convinced the Roman Emperor Constantine to prohibit any Jews from living in Jerusalem. Then, the next year at the Council of Nicaea, Sylvester thoughtfully arranged for the passage of a host of viciously anti-Semitic legislation, which was later incorporated into nearly every anti-Jewish legal code in the Byzantine Empire, and then moved across Western civilization. So, why in the world would Israeli Jews celebrate a day dedicated to a vicious anti-Semite who did serious and enduring damage to our people 17 centuries ago? Well, it's like this. All Catholic saints are awarded a day on which Christians celebrate and pay tribute to that saint's memory. December 31st is, you guessed it, St. Sylvester Day, So celebrations last night, on the night of December 31st, are technically dedicated to Sylvester's memory, even though he's not a guy you would think the Jews would ever celebrate. Now, January 1st was established as New Year's, earlier than Sylvester. Way back in 46 BCE, about 20 years after Rome became the overlord of Judea, today's Israel, The Roman Emperor Julius Caesar established January 1st as New Year's Day. Janus was the Roman god of doors and gates, and he had, therefore, two faces, one looking forward, one looking back. Caesar felt that a month named after this god, January, would be the appropriate door to the year. He celebrated the first January 1st New Year back in 46 BCE by ordering the violent Roman attack and defeat of revolutionary Jewish forces in the Galilee. Cheerful. Eyewitnesses say blood flowed in the streets. In later years, Roman pagans observed that New Year, January 1st, by engaging in drunken orgies, a ritual they thought constituted a personal reenacting of the chaotic world that existed before the cosmos was ordered by the pagan gods. Hey, not terribly Jewish. In fact, the way Americans celebrate New Year's is also not so Jewish. Champagne, lots of drinking, too much usually, Odd snacks, bits of food, firecrackers, explosions, and an old Scottish song, followed the next morning by parades and football games. These do not seem to capture the essential Jewish message of human perfectibility and the need to try to improve the world under the kingdom of God, do they? Still, a new year is a time for fresh beginnings, however constituted and from whatever historical sources. And the promise on January 1st is that this year, fresh, clean, will be better than the last year. So, in that spirit, and to play us in this morning, here's the great Israeli cantor and Broadway musical star Dudu Fisher singing Shana Tova. Have a good year. It's a pleasant and schmaltzy rendition. Shana tova,
2: shana tova, ta'anava rabahine kreva, kavi dam ahava, kavi Mim Holgim Yamim Baim Silhigan at La Taim Rat Iho
0: That was David Fisher, Dudu Fisher, singing Shana Tova, good year for the beginning of this 2023 year today, even if it's, you know, just a secular new year. You know, back when I was a full-time cantor in my 20s, I remember Dudu Fisher coming to the Cantor's Assembly Convention in the Catskills of New York and singing there, of course, The debate was whether he or Alberto Mizrahi, perhaps David Bagley, was the ultimate cantor of the world at that time, at least vocally. Judah Fisher later played Jean Valjean in the Israeli production of Les Miserables. In any case, our special show today is our secular year in review... 2022 from the Jewish perspective. We'll explore the top Jewish stories of the last 12 months when we return in a few moments here on Too Jewish. Don't go anywhere. We are the soul of Tucson.
1: We are your neighbors and friends. Our commitment to provide the very best relies on the finest products and services you, our community, has to offer. Together, we make Tucson thrive. When we win, you win. Casino del Sol. The soul of Tucson. Enterprise of
0: the Pasquayaki tribe. Beit Simcha, the House of Joy, a fabulous Jewish synagogue in Northwest Tucson and the Catalina Foothills, celebrates a great array of services, classes, and events this winter established by passionate, caring congregants and me, Rabbi Sam Kohan. Beit Simcha is a vibrant, vital community that strives every day to serve God with joy. A progressive congregation in Northwest Tucson and the Foothills, Beit Simcha is open to everyone throughout the metropolitan area, providing weekly Shabbat services. Youth and Adult Education Academy courses, social justice opportunities, outreach, and cultural Jewish programming. Join us in person for Shabbat services or come on Facebook Live. Go to our website, Beit Simcha Tucson.org. We welcome members and guests in our sanctuary in person. Call 520 276 5675 for more information. Religious school is going for school aged children or grandchildren. Join us for our fabulous Hebrew school, bar and bat mitzvah programs, Torah types experience, confirmation, and teen programs in a fun, relaxed setting with great Jewish learning. Go to Beit Simcha to sign up. Faith Simcha's services class and events are open to everyone. Join us in person this Friday night and Saturday morning. Email me, rabbi at tucson.org or you can come Friday night on our Facebook page for Shabbat evening celebration services at 6.30 p.m. Lots of music. Saturday Shabbat morning services are at 10 a.m., all with me leading them, 9 a.m. Torah study precedes that. Facebook page is Bait Simcha Tucson. B-E-I-T-S-I-M-C-H-A, Tucson. All of our Adult Education Academy classes are live and on Zoom. You can access those by going to our website, BetSimchaTuson.org or email me, Rabbi at BetSimchaTuson.org religious school is available in blended format too. Some students live, some on Zoom. For more information about Beit Simcha, come to services. Our great religious school and Torah Tech's programs, Bar and Bat Mitzvah, Confirmation, high school programs, rich array of Adult Education Academy courses, live and on Zoom, and of course all of our services in person and on Facebook. Go to BeitSimchaTucson.org. Or call 520-276-5675. That's 520-276-5675. Join me, Rabbi Sam Kohan, in the fastest-growing and most vital Jewish congregation in all of southern Arizona during our now fifth year Do you know someone who personally made a major difference for the whole Jewish people? An individual who's done important work for Klal Yisrael and deserves to be highly recognized for that effort. As president of the Kohan Memorial Foundation, I'm grateful that the modest cash awards we started more than ten years ago have grown into a substantial amount of unrestricted funds given to winners with the help of donors like many of you. The Foundation, named for my grandparents, Rabbi Samuel S. Kohan and A. Irma Kohan, makes these awards for important service to Klaal Yisrael, the entire Jewish people. That service can be in one of four activities, Unity, Education, Creative Arts, or Rescue. Past Kohan Award recipients are remarkable people who've done outstanding work. If you know someone who qualifies for a Kohan Foundation Award, please go to Kohanaward.com, C-O-H-O-N, award.com, and fill out the simple nomination form. That website is Kohanaward.com. Nominate an individual or donate yourself. Do it for the whole Jewish people. If you have a question, comment, compliment, or criticism, kvetch or Please email us at twojewishradio18 at gmail.com. That's T-O-O, Jewish Radio 18 at gmail. Or visit our website, tojewishradio.com You can hear all past and present shows through the website, tojewishradio.com Streaming us from there, downloading us from the Apple iTunes store as very popular Jewish podcasts. Top 10 in America, according to Moment Magazine, over 200,000 downloads on Podbeam and on Spotify and Amazon Music, too. Post a rating, review to jewish wherever you listen to us. Those comments are a big help. The stories we share last a lifetime and are passed down from generation to generation Known for our compassionate commitment to the families we serve, Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery has faithfully served the Tucson community and the Jewish community for over 100 years. We help thousands of families plan and carry out celebrations of loved ones in unique and special ways and assist them in sharing those lifetimes of stories meaningfully. The most beautiful and tranquil final resting place in all of Southern Arizona, Evergreen's tall pines shade peaceful grassy fields. You can count on Evergreen for superior service and the highest degree of integrity. Our informative, well-trained staff is here to assist you with a full range of on-site services. Call Evergreen, 520-888-7470, 520-888-7470. While we serve the whole community, our experience conducting Jewish funerals, Reform, conservative, and orthodox is second to none. We have sections dedicated to all religious faiths, can help you arrange for your future needs or your immediate ones. Whether you choose to hold a traditional funeral service or a completely individualized ceremony, either in person or online or both, our goal is to help you create a meaningful, personalized service based upon your unique needs in a place of reflection, tradition, and serenity. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery offers the best to the community and to you. Call 520-888-7470 to speak to a family advisor at Evergreen. Call 520-888-7470. One of my favorite new Israeli songs last year came from Benaiah Barabi. It's called Karen Shemesh, Sunbeam, a happy little tune. For this new year of 2023
3: Al tilkin qalan sama la lanu lamat mistatet alanim bkol makan altibki qwa gashal la The drama, mevakeeshet, lechabekotach shayot, asim shirim she'atoveet. It'll be a day for reggae. I'm dreaming that you שלא יהיה לי שום טירוס כשאין מילים את מתרגשת ככה אליי תחייכי,
0: Shemesh by Benaiah Barabi. And now it's time for an occasionally recurring feature of Too Jewish, our most serene Zen Judaism segment, some classic haikus for Jews. Beyond Valium, peace is knowing one's child is an internist. And, today I am a man, tomorrow I shall return to the 7th grade. That was our Zen Judaism segment, a koan, a kohan. no, a koan, just for you, a couple of classic haikus for Jews. As promised this morning, we're looking back on the top Jewish events and stories of this last year, 2022. While a top 10 is the traditional way to do this, thanks to David Letterman long ago, this past year it's pretty easy to see that the vast majority of the events in the Jewish world fell into the larger category of increased anti-Semitism, which quite quickly boils down the list to a top 5 or perhaps a mostly bottom five, depending on how you look at these stories, of Jewish news events from 2022. Some of these are truly Jewish stories, some are anti-Jewish stories, and some simply reflect the profound impact of larger events on the Jewish world. And so, we look back now on To Jewish at the top five Jewish stories of 2022, in reverse order, of course. Number five, Bibi Netanyahu is back. The complicated Israeli government under Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, who did a surprisingly good job considering the fractious nature of what was at heart simply an anti-Netanyahu coalition of disparate parties and personalities with few natural ties. It all collapsed after just one year in office, as I predicted here on Two Jewish, of course. The fifth Israeli national election in just four years brought, surprise, Benjamin Netanyahu back to power for his third separate run as prime minister. He had two years back in the 1990s, a 10-year hiatus in the wilderness, as it were, and then an unprecedented run of 12 years in office under, or with, I guess, various coalitions. The new Israeli government of Netanyahu is the most right-wing in history. It was sworn in at the very end of 2022. Number four. Putin's Russia invaded Ukraine last February, beginning a series of events that destabilized the world, killed many thousands, created millions of refugees, and severely damaged the entire world's economy along the way. The evil Putin... Claimed to be de the democratic neighboring nation of Ukraine by trying to conquer it, or if he couldn't do that, at least destroy it. Volodymyr Zelensky, the former comedian and actor who is the Jewish president of Ukraine, became an international hero, leading a heroic and thus far successful defense of his nation. Jewish organizations in neighboring Poland helped many of the Ukrainian refugees who flooded in, fleeing Putin's missile and artillery attacks on civilians. Jewish oligarchs who had helped Putin on his rise to totalitarian control and enriched themselves hugely along the way were also sanctioned internationally. By the way, Ukraine is the 12th largest Jewish population in the world of any nation. Many people have compared Zelensky and the Ukrainians to the Maccabees. As this brutal war grinds on and heroic Ukrainian resistance and counterattacks continue to undermine the incompetent Russian military, this story will surely continue well into 2023. Number 3. Celebrity Anti-Semitism Now, the top three on this list of the most significant Jewish events of the past secular year— Could have all been rolled into one, but they are each somewhat different in character and need to be explored individually, so here we go. Kanye West, the rapper, producer, fashion designer, ex-Kardashian husband, social media giant, and at the time billionaire, made very public his virulent anti-Semitism and love of anti-Jewish conspiracy theories, and then refused to back down, in fact doubled down, and lost many fans and all credibility, which didn't prevent Donald Trump from hosting him at Mar-a-Lago at a dinner with neo-Nazi scum Nick Fuentes. And Kyrie Irving, NBA star and multimillionaire, tweeted a link praising a nutcase anti-Semitic film and book and took weeks and a suspension to apologize. Less horribly, Whoopi Goldberg again stumbled into denying that the Holocaust was about race, not for the first time, and then tried to clarify things, not well, and then apologized and backed down. Look, lest you think anti-Semitism is solely a matter of white neo-Nazis, and there are plenty of those, Be aware that these three celebrities are all black icons and that Nick Fuentes, Yamach Shmo, is a Hispanic anti-Semitic neo-Nazi. Number two. Violent anti-Semitic acts rose across America in 2022. It began when a deranged British Muslim took a small group of Jews hostage at a Fort Worth synagogue on a Shabbat morning in January. January. That eventually ended well, with Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker throwing a chair at the guy and five Jews escaping safely. And then on the 4th of July in Highland Park, Illinois, a lovely northern suburb of Chicago, a domestic terrorist opened fire at a parade celebrating American Independence Day. He is not believed to have targeted Jews, but four of the seven people he killed were Jewish, or in Jewish families. Among them, a Russian Jewish emigre and the bar and bat mitzvah coordinator at a shul in neighboring Glencoe. And later in the year, the suspect, who murdered 10 black people at a supermarket in Buffalo, wrote a screed filled not only with racism towards blacks, but with deeply anti Semitic conspiracy theories. And finally, number one the general rise in anti Semitism across the board and across the internet in America. Oy. Physical attacks on Jews, anti-Semitic vandalism, hate crimes fueled by anti-Semitic conspiracy theories all spiked across the nation last year. In a weird incident, but troubling, Lufthansa took scores of Hasidic Jews off a flight because a few weren't following masking rules. After Elon Musk bought Twitter and scrapped the teams policing hate speech, anti-Semitism on Twitter soared. There wasn't a week in 2022 when something anti-Semitic didn't occur. Much of it new. It wasn't just a swastika scrawled on a wall or a rude comment made online. It was a rising tide of weird and sometimes violent acts directed at Jews, in politics, on campuses, and everywhere on social media. The response to this has been vigorous by Jewish organizations and our many friends, as well as by everyone who cares about respect, decency and tolerance. But it is hard at this point to see that this anti-Semitic trend will diminish any time soon. We here on 2Jewish wish we never had to cover this subject at all, but it has now become a central aspect of the present Jewish experience in America and around the world. Fueled by the insane acceptance of conspiracy theories on the right, and a frightening tolerance of neo-Nazis and white supremacists, too, and fueled on the left by the virulent and irrational anti-Israel rhetoric that refuses to believe Jews have a right to our own state in Israel, this weird and troubled and troubling trend shows no sign of diminishing as we go forward. Maybe next year our top five, or ten, can focus on happier subjects of Jewish accomplishment and joy. May this be God's will, and our troubled world's will as well. We welcome our expert on the international Jewish scene, Tom Price. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Rabbi. Tom, you've been working hard to correct a lot of misunderstandings about Sephardim and the Sephardic world. Um, And we had journeyed from its origin points in Spain, and the Iberian Peninsula, uh, to where it had spread all the way across to the Balkans. Um, particularly, of course, after the expulsion in 1492, these are communities that still exist. Many of them were ravaged by the Nazis, but they have a deep history of close to 500 years, uh, more than 500 years, I should say. Um, really interesting, and not a culture that most American Jews know very much about.
4: Right. And so, when people say that Sephardim were not affected by the Holocaust, they're completely ignoring all the Sephardim in the Balt in the Balkans. Yeah. Um, who were clearly Sephardic, who still speak Ladino and publish magazines in Ladino and whatever. Um, But what I'd like to talk about today, or at least focus on more, is the communities which are neither Ashkenazic nor Sephardic. And let's start in the middle of the Mediterranean world, in Italy. Yeah. Because, as we know, there were Jews in Italy... Since the time of the Roman emperors. Um, And certainly there were Jews in Italy before. Actually,
0: actually before the Roman emperors. I mean, in the time of the Roman Republic. Before
4: that, there was a Jewish community in Rome. Before the destruction of the the Second Temple. Um, And those Jews, uh, there are some Sephardic Jews in Italy in Italy who came as refugees from Spain and Portugal. But the bulk of Italian Jewry has its own Judeo-Italian dialect and its own customs and its own tunes for the same prayers that we all say. And notably, Chad ya is completely different. In, it's not a German beer hall it's song.
0: Not, not, not the only one that's different, right. I have to tell you. Right. They have their own melody, their own
4: foods, their own... Right. Uh, even some
0: even some legal differences right. in what they do. Right,
4: because there were great rabbis in these countries and they right. had their own Jewish culture that was not Sephardic and not Ashkenazic. The same holds true in Greece where there's a very old Jewish community called the Romaniots who come from early Roman times, from before the, the birth of Jesus, before the destruction of the Second Temple. They've been there for millennia, and they were eventually submerged in the sea of refugees from Spain and Portugal. So overwhelmingly, those communities spoke Ladino to the point where Thessaloniki, one of my favorite cities in the Jewish world. And mine too, by the way. Um, the language of commerce, the lingua franca, in this city where everybody was a minority, but the largest of all the minorities were Jews with about 35, 36% of the population. The language of the marketplace was Ladino. And I'll never forget, I had a colleague who had my exact position in the Spanish embassy in Sofia while I was number two in the American embassy in Sofia. And he and his wife drove to Salonica once in the winter to buy fruits and vegetables, as we all did. And they found this little mod pod deli where the owners spoke with them in Ladino. And for them, it was like, characters out of Cervantes coming to life and speaking this ancient (laughs) Spanish and they had no idea why so these are very well educated people very well traveled I said so you never learned about the Spanish Inquisition in school no what's that oh my goodness so Spanish schools at least back in the day didn't teach this part of their own history they may not be very proud of it but these people had no idea that it was Jews from Spain who built up the huge Jewish community of Salonika that eventually became known as the Jerusalem of the Balkans.
0: Well, and, you know, it, there's so much rich, complicated history, and they were such fantastic communities. I think— um, the idea that, oh, you know, Ashkenazim are better somehow and the Sephardim are not the right class. You know, it, it's just so oh, completely definitely wrong. Definitely not there. Not, not at there for sure. If
4: anybody considers themselves better, it's the Romaniots who were there course. for so long. Right. But um, let's go back to the destruction of the first temple. Right. 586 before the Common Era. So right after that, lots of Jews went into exile in what is today Iran, and they formed—and also Iraq.
0: And, and, and Yemen, and really anywhere in that and area. And sure.
4: those Jews formed the basis of a large Persian community and a large Iraqi community, and we should talk about those and other communities next time.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Tom.
4: Okay. It's time
0: now for our old Jewish joke of the week, Jewish humor, your Bubby and Zadie knew, brought to you by Two Jewish as a public service. This one comes from the late Alan King, whose birthday was last week. May he rest in peace. When I was in the hospital, they gave me apple juice every morning, even when I told them I didn't like it. I had to get even. One morning, I poured the apple juice into the specimen tube. The nurse held it up and said, It's a little cloudy. I took the tube from her and said, let me run it through again and drink it. The nurse fainted. That was the old Jewish joke of the week, special feature of Two Jewish just for you. You should live and be well, and maybe don't drink the apple juice. And now a word of Torah. This week's portion of Vayachi concludes the great book of Genesis, sheet. And while Vayachi is interesting in itself, the fact that we are concluding the first book of Torah just after completing a calendar year is just too tempting a coincidence to miss. So, at this new secular year time, when we try to figure out just what happened over the past 12 months and what it all means going forward, we have the opportunity to do the same thing for the first of these five books of Torah. As hard as it is to comprehend just what 2022 taught us, concisely summarizing the formative book of all Western civilization, Bray Sheet, seems even harder, nearly impossible. Genesis ranges in scope from the creation of the world to the development of human beings, from the first natural disaster to the first murder From the first city to the first war, from God's initial covenant with Abraham to the tumultuous events that led to the creation of the children of Israel, from wandering nomadism to the entry into settled civilization, from Babylon to Canaan to Egypt. Genesis stories and themes of faith and family, conflict and resolution, love and hatred, universal truth and simple beauty still resonate today. The triumphs and failures of the individual human lives portrayed remain fresh and fascinating. You can, and maybe should, spend your life reading and exploring these tales, learning new lessons each and every time. First, there are the great theological messages of Genesis. There is only one God. We are engaged in a covenantal relationship with that God. Each of us has the ability and the obligation, perhaps, to argue and wrestle with God over the right course to take in life. There is a greater plan than we can fathom at work. Yet, we have the free will to choose a good and moral course in life. All of this is central to everything Judaism ultimately becomes. But beyond the great religious mission of Breshi, there is the wonderfully human dimension of this book, The characters we meet from fallible Adam and Eve to stolid Noah to the complex and exceedingly human patriarchs and matriarchs all the way to the remarkable figure of Joseph remind us that the greatest of our ancestors so many generations ago were essentially just like us. They demonstrate courage and cowardice, are honest and manipulative, fail and succeed. After all that occurs, we are in the end, just like them. We can learn from their accomplishments, and maybe learn more from their frequent mistakes. Each year teaches us lessons, both positive and negative. The Torah and the book of Genesis is unique in the way this single text teaches us new lessons continually. My friends, may you all be blessed with a happy secular new year, but... More importantly, may we all be blessed with the ability to continually turn to this great text of Torah and find inspiration in its depth, beauty, and brilliance. We continue with our two Jewish Update on news of Jews around the world with commentary. While for many years in America we Jews tried to hide our identities, apparently we have now come to the point where non-Jewish politicians pretend to be Jewish in order to get elected. Who knew that would ever happen? GOP representative-elect George Santos is facing growing condemnation from House Democrats, some of whom have called him to step aside, and even from some corners of the GOP, At least one of his fellow incoming Republicans is calling for him to face an ethics investigation. House GOP leadership, however, so far remains silent over revelations that the New York Republican lied about parts of his biography. Actually, most of his biography. Santos has admitted to fabricating sections of his resume, including his past work experience and education, and apologized, but says he continues to intend to serve in Congress. Claims by Santos that his grandparents survived the Holocaust as Ukrainian Jewish refugees from Belgium, who changed their surname, are contradicted by sources that include Family Trees compiled by genealogy websites, records on Jewish refugees, and interviews with many genealogists. Well, says Santos now, I never claimed to be Jewish, I am Catholic because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background. I said I was Jew-ish, he said in an interview with the New York Post. Wow, you get it? Santos said, I'm Jew-ish. Not one word, you know. Jew-ish. Uh-huh. Apparently, it's everyone's fault for thinking when he said that he meant Jewish as one word. Man. Just when you think the bottom has been reached in American politics, there is a new nadir. But even that preposterous evasion evaporated under the light of day and on the basis of Santos' own public recorded statements. He in fact described himself as a proud American Jew in a document shared with Jewish groups during the campaign. He defeated a Democratic incumbent. When asked about that statement that he was a proud American Jew by former Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who was guest hosting Fox's Tucker Carlson tonight, Santos said, My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. The Republican Jewish Coalition said that the incoming congressman had misrepresented his heritage and will not be welcome at any future Republican Jewish Coalition event. We are very disappointed in congressman Alex Santos, RJC CEO Matt Brooks, a past guest of Jew-Jewish said. He deceived us and misrepresented his heritage. In public comments, and to us personally, he previously claimed to be Jewish. He has begun his tenure in Congress on a very wrong note. Santos has also recently admitted he didn't graduate from any college or university, despite previously claiming he had degrees from Baruch College and New York University. And he also admitted he had not attended the Horace Mann prep school in Manhattan, as he previously claimed. The Brazilian liar also admitted he never worked directly for the financial firm Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, as Santos previously said. Claimed that he did do work for them through his own company, telling the New York Post it was a poor choice of words to say that he worked for them. A nonprofit that he solicited contributions for also turned out to be, um, a for profit organization. The New York Times first revealed last week that Santos biography appeared to be partly, well, almost entirely fictional. CNN confirmed details of that reporting, including his lack of college education and employment history. While many people have called for him to withdraw before he is sworn into Congress, Santos has no plans to do so. Of course he doesn't. What was it that Mark Twain once said? There is no distinctly American criminal class, except Congress. Santos will fit right in. One more time, incoming Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu presented his coalition agreements to the Knesset just one day ahead of the government swearing everybody in, just before the deadline to complete those deals. Apparently, Netanyahu summoned the Likud members of his own party one by one to a personal meeting in which he announced their positions. Why well, that must have been fun for those people who didn't get ministerial jobs. Yoav Gallant is officially the new defense minister. Amir Ohana is the new Knesset speaker, But Salel Smotrich, of the Religious Scientist Party, who has made many virulently anti-LGBTQ comments and seeks to refuse housing rights to Arabs, is the new finance minister. Deri of Shas, a past criminal inmate for political corruption, is the new deputy prime minister. And Itamar ben gvir who hates Arabs and wants to expel them from Israel, is the minister of national security. The most interesting of the new right-wing government's appointments is Amir Ohana, who is openly gay and whose position in Knesset was protested by many of the same religious party representatives, like Bitzal al-Smotrich, who are now in the same cabinet with him. That should make those meetings fun. Netanyahu's new government is very likely the most right-wing in Israeli history, which led a group of 300 American rabbis to protest the government before it even took office. As a long-time observer of the drama and comedy of Israeli politics, we here at Two Jewish tend to believe Netanyahu will end up running things more or less as he chooses to since he inevitably outmaneuvers everybody in his own government and party and does whatever he wants to do anyway. Well, we will surely see. In Italy, Jewish leaders had strong words for the president of the country's parliament when he published a post on Instagram honoring the history of the Italian Social Movement, or MSI, a neo-fascist party founded in the wake of World War II. Ignazio La Russa, a senator from Colonia Monzesi, a municipality in Milan, wrote alongside a picture of an MSI campaign poster, in memory of my father, who was one of the founders of the Italian social movement in Sicily, and who chose the path of free and democratic participation with the MSI throughout his life in defense of his ideas respectful of the Italian constitution. Leaders within Italy's Jewish community were dismayed by his decision to link MSI to the post-World War II Italian constitution the ascendance of far-right leaders who have expressed nostalgia for the Mussolini fascist period in Italy, which spelled the near-destruction of Italian Jewry, has Italy's present-day Jewish community outraged. Today we celebrate the 75th anniversary of the promulgation of the Republican Constitution, the affirmation of our anti-fascist democracy. Nomi de Segni, president of the Union of Italian Jewish Communities, said in an op-ed in La Repubblica, Yet there are those who believe they are celebrating another anniversary, the foundation of the MSI, a party which, after the fall of the fascist regime, placed itself in ideological and political continuity with the government of diehard fascists, who actively collaborated in the deportation of Italian Jews. This neo-fascism that has sprouted around the world over the past six or seven years is stunning and depressing. Watching it advance in places like Italy, Japan, and Germany should remind all of us that the first time around, fascism caused World War II and the Holocaust. Fascism did make the trains run on time, all right, and then it nearly destroyed the world. It was defeated only at unbelievable cost by the Soviet Union and the Western democracies, And the truth is that one of those democracies America spent a long time struggling with its own pro-Nazi movements and its own America First advocates before finally recognizing the danger of fascism. I have no idea how any true American can become a neo-Nazi or embrace the ideology of fascism. Many thousands of Americans died fighting that profound evil. In this new secular year, my hopes and prayers are that this trend, which seems to have waned in Brazil and perhaps even here in America, will fade everywhere in the world in 2023. And that's the Two Jewish News of Jews Round the World. The stories we share last a lifetime and are passed down from generation to generation, known for our compassionate commitment to the families we serve. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery has faithfully served the Tucson community and the Jewish community for over 100 years. We help thousands of families plan and carry out celebrations of loved ones in unique and special ways and assist them in sharing those lifetimes of stories meaningfully. The most beautiful and tranquil final resting place in all of southern Arizona, Evergreen's tall pines shade peaceful, grassy fields. You can count on Evergreen for superior service and the highest degree of integrity. Our informative, well-trained staff is here to assist you with a full range of on-site services. Call Evergreen, 520-888-7470, 520-888-7470. While we serve the whole community, our experience conducting Jewish funerals reform conservative and orthodox—is second to none. We have sections dedicated to all religious faiths, can help you arrange for your future needs or your immediate ones, whether you choose to hold a traditional funeral service or a completely individualized ceremony, either in person or online or both. Our goal is to help you create a meaningful, personalized service based upon your unique needs in a place of reflection, tradition, and serenity. Evergreen Mortuary and Cemetery offers the best to the community and to you. Call 520-888-7470. To speak to a family advisor at Evergreen, call 520-888-7470.
1: We are the soul of Tucson. We are your neighbors and friends. Our commitment to provide the very best relies on the finest products and services you, our community, has to offer. Together, we make Tucson thrive. When we win, you win. Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson, Enterprise
0: of the Pasquayaki Tribe. Thanks for being here with us this morning on Too Jewish with me, Rabbi Sam Kohan. Join us next week. Our guest will be Rabbi Bill Rothschild, the attorney's son of Rabbi Jacob Rothschild of the Temple in Atlanta, Georgia, a personal friend and supporter of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Bill will share some memories of King and his family in preparation for being here in Tucson to speak at Congregation Beit Simcha for the King weekend. And... Please don't forget in 2023, join us at Congregation Beit Simcha and you can join our congregation as well. Friday night services are Onig Shabbat at 6.30 p.m. Saturday morning too, 9 a.m. Torah study, 10 a.m. services, Torah reading in kiddish, live in person, classes on Zoom, and all of our services available on our Facebook page. Our playout this morning comes from The 2022 song Pantera Panther by Israeli Mizrahi star Eyal Golan. My friends, have a happy secular new year, a good Sylvester, a Shavuot Tov, a good week, a healthy week, and in this first week of 2023, a week we pray profoundly of peace.
3: Sponsored
4: by two Jewish radio programs, Tucson, Arizona.